0: Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I am uh, excited to be here, that's for sure. Always excited to worship with you guys and, and good to see faces that I haven't seen in some time. And I can't see any way from you back there because you're way in the back. And um, just, Hey, there's a lot of seats. Uh, you've, there's been an invite extended for those who are in the back who would like to come forward. Feel free to receive that or, or reject it, whatever you want to do. Yeah, as my beautiful, lovely wife was speaking about the Purple Book, we started the Purple Book this week, and if you have not received or, or taken one, listen, we're giving them to you, but we're asking others if you would like to invest in discipleship of others, then to donate in the black box on the way out right there. But this right here is a great discipleship tool we're asking the whole church to go through one lesson, one lesson, one lesson per week. It's probably going to take about a year, but we're just going to chew on that one lesson overachievers. Uh, Cliff said, yeah, you called me out. You got me. I was, I, was, I was going to burn through that thing, but you said it. Lesson one, one week. Lesson two, week two. And so uh, burning through this is not a good idea, but m- uh, mulling it over, ruminating on it is. So we were, as the guys got together this past week and we were talking about it, there was a question in there that said, I uh, was talking about Adam, Adam and Eve, obviously, the sin and fall, and, and uh, we thought, well, there's a question. Would you do anything differently? You've know, you got to think. There's Adam and Eve, and they, they have a relationship with God, but then there's a serpent that comes in and, and gives them a different idea and a thought, and I, I, before you get all you know, judgy, think about it, my answer was, I don't know if I would do any different, really. I would like to think that I did. I would, but I might not. What do I need? Why? Well, it's very convincing. Satan's very convincing when he comes in. There's another part of this puzzle. And Tuesday night in our leadership school that we have right here, here at Thrive, we talked about a biblical worldview and that 7% of believers have a biblical worldview, meaning they make their decisions based on what God's word says. Do you know mathematically that says that 93% of the church does not have a biblical worldview? That means should the temptation come about and there's a better idea than what God has told you and it just feels better, more appeasing and pleasing than 93% of believers would make a decision to follow the serpent of old. Isn't Isn't that challenging of a thought? So the reality is, I'd like to think I would make a difference. So what does that mean? Well, I need to discover more of what God's Word says in situations so that I can make my decisions, whether I understand it or not. Like, I don't understand why this is, but if God, if you said it, then that's the way I've got to have foundation in my life and make my decisions and watch you come, make come about the best scenario for all people involved. Is it, you know that, that's faith? That, that's faith. I don't understand it. I don't know how this is going to work out, but God, if you say it, I know you'll do it and you'll do something that's unimaginable and probably seemingly impossible. And so there's another thought in there that it says at the end, one of the last questions is, is, what happened after Adam and Eve fell? Well, it says that God came calling for them. And do you know, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you've done, that God comes calling for you every day until you hear his voice. Isn't that good news? You ought to be excited about that. Well, uh, also, don't forget about Faith Fest, the sign-ups. That's not a bunch of paperwork that people left. Uh, <laughs> In the in the week out there in the atrium, those are actually a place for you to get an opportunity to serve with the body of Christ. On October 30th, we won't be in church here. We're going to be at the Kane Center serving our community. And then also, hey, we got a we got a popping you a student program, student ministry right here on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. It is on and popping. Let me just tell you, and Pastor Zay and Brittany are bringing it like it's hot every every Wednesday. Yeah. You ought to be excited that there is a next generation that might not go to hell. Isn't that good news? <laughs> there's nothing else to be excited about today. <laughs> That's it. All right. So we're in our series, Decrypted. Decrypted. And, you know, again, you may not have been here last week, and I explained this. A lot of times when you, when you uh, text or through certain apps or if you put your your files in trash on i know for sure on macbooks i'm a mac dude and it, it it encrypts the the content that you throw away or you discard or you're communicating and sometimes when you're reading the word of god it feels like it's encrypted and i don't know how this applies to me i don't understand the word i don't understand why it says this i don't i don't know what god wants for me and so we're decrypting, we're, we're taking out of confusion and bringing it into simple context what God's Word is so that we can discern the will of God for our lives. We're going to talk about the general will of God, and that's what this ser- series is about. But the more we start to unearth, decrypt the general will of God from His Word, and you start to apply the general will of God for your life, These principles, these concepts, these truths, as you start to apply them, it prepares the ground for you to begin to discern the very specific will that God has for your life. Is that good? But can I say, so often we want to get, what about me, what about me, what's for me, to the specific will of God, but we don't want to attend or tend to the general will of God. And it's only the general will of God that prepares our soul and our focus and our understanding and our mind, will and emotions to begin to narrow down the understanding, so that all of a sudden God is guiding our direction and our footsteps. So He puts us on His specific will, called His calling. Isn't that good? Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, it's a lot better than that, that. That right there. Listen, don't make me come back there and get somebody for not saying hoorah and hello and hey man and 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 praise clapping. If you're gonna sit way back there, you better give me something. All right, that's what I'm talking about. All right, so last week, you know, we kind of answered three things in one statement last week. In Ephesians 2.19, we talked about the three major needs for every person, and this is what kind of battles with our discovering, our calling, and our will. It is belonging and purpose and identity. In one verse, we saw that, in Ephesians 2.19, in one verse, we saw that God wants to adopt us into his family. Belonging. He wants, to, he wants to make us members of his household purpose. And you may say, well, how's that purpose? Because in a household, there's chores. <laughs> hey, where are we at back there? Yeah, amen. And whenever there's a responsibility or there's chores or there's, there's things that have to get done that have purpose behind them, and I start to realize I was created for them, all of a sudden I find purpose and life is great. No matter how difficult it gets. And then the third one was he said, Hey, don't forget, you're a citizen with the saints in his kingdom. That means your identity is in Christ and Christ alone. So you found belonging, purpose, and identity. And these three things are causing you to look all over the world in wrong things. Finding yourself oftentimes in bondage and wrong scenarios until you begin to discover these things in God with his word and with relationship with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Let's get into restoring freedom because you've got to have the the understanding, even though you may not fully be walking in the previous three that I just talked about, you need to at least know if I'm going to find belonging where, if I'm going to find purpose through who, and if I'm going to find identity, it's got to be from who. And so you at least have that understanding until the Holy Spirit begins to work it as an experiential knowledge in your life. I'm feeling good today. So we're talking about restoring this week, restoring the foundations, restoring freedom. Because until we get the first three, and then we begin to to apply these four, then we're always going to be knocked off of the general will, we're going to be confused from his specific will, and we're always going to be blaming others for why we're not walking in our calling. Hey, Hey. And so (laughs) today we're going to talk about the spiritual meaning of Nehemiah. What do you mean, Pastor Nathan? Well, we're talking about the Old Testament is full of types and shadows. They're natural things that truly took place that God ordained in his providence. And yet on this side of the cross where you and I now live, there is spiritual principles that we pull from that God has been using true natural scenarios and situations to bring about an understanding to his people that all points to Jesus and our life on the other side of the cross. If you don't understand anything I just said, just put it in a mystery box in your mind and say, I don't know what homeboy is saying, but Lord, please make some clarity of it one day. And I promise you, he will. Now, Nehemiah 2, 11, he says, So I came, Nehemiah, to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one What my, go ahead, God had put in my heart. Isn't that interesting? God had put something in his heart, and then he began to just follow it. To do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one in which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate, remember valley gate, to the serpent well and the refuse gate. And viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Verse 14, then I went on to the the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or others who did the work. So Nehemiah I'm going to give you a type, a definition of type and an illustration of type. Nehemiah is a type of the Holy Spirit that is on earth this day. Nehemiah, the word Nehemiah, the name Nehemiah means the comforter or one who comforts from God. That's the literal translation of Nehemiah. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. He also was sent on mission by both God and the king of the day. Remember, God had set it in his heart, right? And King Artaxerxes blessed with the burden that was in Nehemiah's heart that had been placed by God. And Artaxerxes blessed it and resourced the journey, even though he was resourcing the rehabilitation and the restoration of the people that the king had in slavery. Remember, look, remember this though. Jesus is the King in our day, in our in our scenario, and on this side of the cross, Jesus is the King, and He said, "When I go, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you the Comforter." Remember that? The Holy Spirit is who He's referring to. It says, "When the Holy Spirit came, and when the Holy Spirit came, He began to empower the people to build Jesus's church." Right? That's what we see in Acts. All of a sudden, the church grew. Thousands were getting saved. The, the, the kingdom of God, God's church, was beginning to be built. Well, he built the, Nehemiah built the spiritual city, or the spiritual Jerusalem. I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit built the spiritual city, uh, the holy Jerusalem. I'll show you that in Scripture in just a minute. Nehemiah was going back to rebuild the natural Jerusalem. To rebuild and restore the walls where they have been torn down, burned down, the gates that have been burned down. And in their day, in the natural aspect, this is where enemies could, the enemy of the city could come in and out as they pleased and there was no protection. Do you know that's still same spiritually for us today? Where the walls and gates of our lives and our soul are torn down, the enemy has fa- safe passage. We'd call it in Spanish, salvaconducto, meaning they can come and go as they please. And you're wondering, why does my life keep falling apart all of a sudden when I get it back together? Let me tell you, there's some walls and gates that need to be restored. There's some freedom that need to be had. Where are y'all in the back? Hey. <laughs> And when God put it in his heart, Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the city of God. The Holy Spirit is building the structure that allows the people of God to live, to dwell, and to worship in safety. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing today. Now, it's a reality, a real situation that is a spiritual understanding of things that took place in the natural through Nehemiah in Jerusalem. Let me give you a little bit more. This is free right here. This is all coming out of 70 years of bondage. Do you know that you and I were considered being in bondage, especially before we came to Christ? It's a beautiful picture. And some of us are in bondage after Christ. So Hebrews 12, 22, 23, can I just say, let me back that up. All of us still have bondages in our lives after Christ. It's a working of the Holy Spirit that begins to set us free from those bondages, okay? Uh, uh, but, uh, Hebrews 12, 22, sorry. But you have come to Mount Zion. Have you ever been to Mount Zion? Scripture says you have. He's switching a natural to a spiritual track, track with us. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Did you know? You've now been to the heavenly Jerusalem where I've never seen it. It's a spiritual space. To an innumerable company of angels. Do you know angels are all around? To the general assembly and church. What? Yeah. Natural, but there's a spiritual thing going on. And I I felt like I got this little uh, reality. I don't know if y'all seen the latest Doctor Strange movie. Like Marvel Comics really makes sense of this. There's these different universes moving at the same time. Then all of a sudden they link together. Can I just tell you, that's really what God's word is explaining. There's natural things happening, but there's a spiritual reality that's taking place behind it. Oh, it's really good. We're spiritual people. Remember, oh, he's talking about, he's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. He's talking about Mount Zion. He's talking about innumerable, innumerable company of angels. And then he's referring the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, that's us. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of, may, of just men made perfect. And you ought to be really excited about two things that are in there. One compounds after, after off of last week. One being we are citizens to a different kingdom than the kingdom that we get to see in the natural realm. There is a spiritual kingdom that you and I and our name is in heavenly places in the book of life. And so we are citizens, citizens of a different kingdom. And the other good thing that you ought to be excited about and do a little praise clap and a and a turn, a hallelujah turn is that you are just and your spirit is made perfect. You're not perfect, but your spirit has been made perfect in Christ Jesus. Thank you. You are just, meaning you are justified, meaning you, don't, you no longer have to prove yourself for salvation. The moment you truly had a born-again salvation experience, you were justified. Hallelujah. You should be very excited about this. There's now a a heavenly Jerusalem, a Mount uh, Mount Zion, Christ's church, which the Holy Spirit is at work building through all of us. And this was the very concern of Nehemiah. And it's the very concern of the Holy Spirit. And the question that we all have to ask ourselves is, am I doing my part to partner with the Holy Spirit to build God's kingdom? Hmm. It's interesting now, Nehemiah was in Jerusalem three days. Do you know that Jesus was in the tomb three days? Nehemiah did no work until the third day. Jesus rose the third day and began a good work. See the correlations that we see from the pictures from the Old Testament to New. Nehemiah rode out of a certain gate on a colt. Jesus rode in to that gate on a colt. Uh, I'm going to give you four places of restoration and freedom that we see spiritually There were natural places in the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah. So number one is the serpent well. The serpent well. The serpent well is a place of deliverance. So that no one knows where this serpent well was. Even Jews to this day, they have no clue. The only place that you'll see serpent well, or in some translations it's, re- it's translated as the dragon's well, the only places you'll see this... Is in Nehemiah in this moment. But there is an old folklore, Jewish folklore, that says there was a well that was providing a lot of water for the people. They were living off of it. And then one day, all of a sudden, it was poison, it was toxic, something was happening. People were getting sick who drank from it, some died. And then another day, a serpent rose up out of that well, and the people rallied together and crushed, then killed that serpent. I don't know if it's true or not, it seems symbolically applicable. But here's the deal, when the serpent, Satan, sneaks into our lives, he brings toxicity. He starts to kill whatever has life. And until we crush the head of the serpent in our lives, we're not truly able to live the fullness in which God's called and created us to be. So what's interesting as well, to get to this serpent well, Nehemiah had to go through the valley gate. Sometimes we got to go through some valleys before we actually receive the fullness of salvation, don't we? Uh, yes yes the answer is yes like i don't know Are they, is this rhetorical do you tell me the answer <laughs> but we know throughout the bible serpents represents demons and how do we know because the bible tells me so we sang this as as children but we'll see it throughout the bible satan appeared as a serpent in the garden of Gen- genesis And then in Revelation, John refers to him as the serpent of old, Satan himself. Look at Jesus in the middle of the Bible in the New Testament. Jesus is talking about this, and you have to allow the context of Scripture to define what what the meaning is so that we can pull out what Jesus is trying to say. Luke 10, 17. Then the seventy. Returned with joy. Okay, so what happened was, what had happened was, Jesus had sent disciples out, 70 disciples out, two by two together to co labor in the work with, with the Lord. He sent them out, He gave them power, He gave them authority, and He, sent, he taught them some and He sent them out to minister. But I want you to notice that they came back with joy. They went and did the work of the ministry and they came back with joy. There's something about doing the work of the ministry, hey, walking and calling and purpose that you, you find joy in. So if you're lacking joy, you know where to find it. Oh. And then he said to them, I saw Satan. He goes, oh, sorry. He said, sent him out. They came back with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then he, he says, he starts to bring context and definition. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, do you really think he's talking about ser, uh, serpents and scorpions? We're talking about demons. We're talking about Satan. We're talking about the enemy. And where do serpent, serpents and scorpions fit into that unless he's referring to demonic spirits? Here we go. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to your name, but you rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Demons, Satan, spirits, enemy, all in the context while he's he's mentioning scorpions and serpents. So we know he's referring to serpents as being demonic forces. Then Jesus says, I give you authority to trample these demonic spirits and over the power of over the power of every spirit that tries to harm you, it will yet it will not, to, not succeed. There's nothing that can hurt you. There's no spiritual force that can truly hurt you when you're walking in the authority and power that Jesus Christ gives you. I'm going to give you... So Jesus was teaching before... His teachings before and after... The death, burial, and resurrection was to restore power to God's people and to overcome evil as we were building the kingdom of God. This was his give you power, overcome the works of the enemy, build my church. There's no other purpose outside of this. And building my church can look like a many, many varieties of things, but its whole purpose and its drive is to build Christ's church. And I'm going to give you three of the next next, uh, places of freedom really quickly. And then I'm going to pull back to them, and I'll, I'll give them to you in more detail. The refuse gate represents salvation. The fountain gate represents water baptism. The king's gate represents Holy Spirit baptism. Until we can fully experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, then we have to be delivered from the bondages that are in our lives. If you don't think that Satan comes and he steals the Word of God out of your heart or keeps you from understanding it, then we need to review the four soils, a parable of the sower in Mark 4. Look at this. And this is Jesus explaining a parable that he previously had spoken. He says, and this is talking about the second soil, and these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. Why is he able to steal it? Because there are bondages in our lives that give Satan's demonic minions power and influence to come in and out as he pleases. This was a picture of Nehemiah in Jerusalem and the tore-down walls. And, any, and every time you start to break out into a new life, all of a sudden, I'm doing, I'm, I'm changing, it's all good, and something pulls you right back into that old cycle and that old you starts to pop back up. That is a bondage. That is a stronghold that Satan has, that's a gate that has been torn down in your life that the Holy Spirit wants to collaborate with you to rebuild, to, re- to re-strengthen so that the enemy has no place to come in and out of your life, at least in that specific space. And you may, not, you may or may not see it, or you may not want to see it, but others around you see it, and your families or members are being hurt by it. So it's a real thing whether you choose to admit it or not. But you have to be delivered before you can see and understand the word of God for your life. Because he's trying. He's at work trying to keep you from seeing it, understanding it, and as soon as you grab it, he, take, he, he tries to take it if he has a foothold. This is why we're so adamant about every person going through our freedom ministry, attending a freedom conference, joining a freedom tribe, Shauna's leading one, uh, having a freedom session we have a team of people to do one-on-one freedom sessions with you to help you walk through these bondages of life shauna brooker leads our freedom ministry and she's the most steadfast consistent individual that could possibly even be leading that for us and why do i have someone who's so steadfast and consistent and yet committed to to really protect that ministry because you get some weird, loopy hoopty, weird folks and when it comes to deliverance and freedom. I, I, listen, I'm telling you. And most of, them, most of them have bondages of their own, and they're unwilling to be under authority, and so they start jacking stuff up and messing it up inside of, a, inside of the church. Seen it too many times. Have you ever, though, tried to stop doing something and only find you keep falling back into it? ever had a bondage to fear, ever had a a bondage to insecurity, to pride, to jealousy, control, lust, pornography, and every time you think you got yourself out of it, boom, something happens, and there you are, trapped right, right back into the ugliness of it. That's a bondage. That's not God's perfect will for your life. It's not even his general will for your life. That is a place that's identifying there's a space, there's a gate, there's a part of the wall that needs to be rehabilitated, rebuilt, reestablished with the working of the Holy Spirit so that I can be set free, delivered in this area of my life so that the enemy of my soul has no place, no power over me, and no power over my family. Amen to that. That's what I'm talking about. I want some people that want to be set free with me. And, And Jesus died so we can be set free, but we're going to have to stop protecting bondage because that's what we do. We make excuses for the things, the shortcomings. And all of a sudden, like what happened in the garden, we start to blame. It's that woman you gave me. We start to blame others. (laughs) Hey, we start to blame others around me. Well, if he'd have been there, I wouldn't have ate that apple. We start to blame others around me. or with human reasoning, or scheduling excuses. It's time to get connected. Like, you know what, I just don't have time for that. Girl, homeboy, you don't have time to not do that. Because you not having time is ruining your life. Can't you see that every time you make this decision, it turns into this, this, and this? Like, you can't see that? I gotta get my boys up, huh? It's real. So It's one thing to start a tribe. By the way, we've got 75 people signed up for a tribe, but it's a whole other thing to continue through to the end because it's the continuing through to the end when it gets a little uncomfortable and you start to get in my junk and you start to mess up my jelly and I start to get accountable and I got to answer to somebody in love and kindness for my attitudes and things I did. It gets uncomfortable, which points to the next gate. Refuse gate. This is the dung gate. This is, you know what dung is? This is, the, this is where they had to take off all the, the animal feces and the trash of the, of the city. This is the gate that it goes out. This is the salvation gate. This is the one where you come to the end of yourself. You've gone through the valley. You've been, you've been delivered of some things so that you can actually see and experience the word of God without Satan coming and taking it back from you. Not that you're perfect. It's just that you've been just... just healed enough delivered enough to be able to receive salvation and now i'm getting the crap out of my life oh i'm done with it i don't want it anymore and many men have never had a true born again experience because of a, a pride you're unwilling to bow your knee to jesus and jesus alone and before you say amen, and many women are, uh, go to church, and they're, they're, they're unwilling to let go of control to Jesus and let him to be Lord over their lives. And the destination for both parties is hell. Whew. Amen, hallelujah. How y'all doing back there? And we all need someone to be honest with and honest with us. And if I can help you today... We don't have to be on that path. We can let go because before when when humility is present then there's honor. But God will bring down low the proud. And if and if you have to be in control then you don't need God. He is master. He is Lord. And and we love to say well he's my friend, he calls me friend. Well that's great. But he's only his friend to the he's only your friend to the extent that he's Lord in your life. Oh, you're my friend, you're my friend. Oh, until so you ask me to do that, and then no, I don't think so. Well, then he's not Lord. Jesus is master. And if you have not given the master lord, lordship over your life, then you really need a true born-again experience. One that says, oh my gosh. I give up pride. I give up control. And then after that following, there is a fruit. It bears the fruit of repentance. It's evident. There's a heart change. There's a life change. Again, there's still bondage to overcome. But every moment that I don't look like Christ, it identifies there's a space, there's a wall or a gate that still, would still burn down in my life. And now we need to get that fixed. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's do some work. And many people attend church join the church as if it's some kind of civic organization but it's not an organization it's an organism but the only way to get in is to be born again and bear the fruit of repentance born again second corinthians 5 17 says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation a new creation means you're not the same old person the old person the old things have passed away behold all things have become new, all things. You don't need to turn a new leaf, you just need a new life. You just need to be born again. Problem solved. Let me give you the Romans Road, Romans 3:23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 6:23 Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Eternal life is a free gift for us by grace from the one who purchased it on the cross, and that's Jesus Christ. If we were to replace for with since, going back to Romans 3:23, since all have sinned, Romans 6, since the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Since whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, why not truly call? Hallelujah. Yes. Why not have a real born-again experience with the the fruit of life, change, and repentance? Hallelujah. That's what I want. It might save my family. Number three is this, the fountain gate. This is water baptism, a picture of water baptism in the Old Testament. Romans 6, 6, 3, and 4 says, Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Like, I got... Somebody's got to die. Verse 4, there, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that G, just as Jesus, Jesus just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Like, When you get baptized, it's a spiritual moment. When you get baptized, you're dying. The old man is dying. You are confessing. I declare the old man is dead and a new man will rise. This is a spirit man who identifies with Christ. I'll walk in the newness of life, no no longer letting old things Keep me trapped and in bondage. Colossians 2.12. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And everything that competes with putting on Christ and looking like Christ must be subject back to the word of God every high and lofty thing must be brought under the word of god so that it can be identified that there is a bondage in my life and there is a gate there is a wall that has burned and has residue has smut on it still and holy spirit we need to do some work because i can't live this life out looking like that can I just say it plainly? We can't walk out and discover God's general will for our lives that leads to our specific, the specific will, his specific will on our lives, until we start to get delivered and not allow the Holy Spirit to identify these areas of bondage, have a true pride-releasing, control-handing-over experience of a born-again experience. It just won't happen. Then we get water baptized, saying, I'm no longer going to let that stuff have power over me. In fact, you can be saved by being born again, but you can't walk in the overcoming Christian life until you've been water baptized and spirit baptized, which leads us to the next gate, the king's pool, the next pool. This is God's general will for all of his church, not just some denominations, not just some gatherings. It's his will that we all be set free, that we all be truly saved, that we all be water baptized, and that we all be spirit baptized. The church of God, the body of Christ, cannot be built without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who is the one who is building it. It makes no sense. It's like I want to drive a car without fuel. It don't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're trying to do it without the the baptism and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you, it doesn't work. I keep coming to the end of myself because you're trying to do it of yourself. It doesn't work. I feel exhausted. I'm tapped out. I don't know if I can keep going. It doesn't work without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Kings Pool. This is where the anointed kings. The one, the kings that came to, before they came to rule and reign, they would bring them out to the king's pool. And another way of saying this, this is a place where they were were empowered to rule and reign. Do you know that scripture says on this side of the cross that with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter will say, You're a king, you're a priest, you are empowered. Who's the empowerment? The Holy Spirit. To rule and reign. Can we rule and reign without the Holy Spirit? No. It doesn't work. I'm so frustrated. I can't, I can't do it. I can't accomplish this. I want to follow Christ. I want to be a good disciple. It doesn't work without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Again, I've got to let go of pride, and i got to release control. And I got to believe and receive the fullness, the gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit to be baptized, empowered so that I can live out this spirit life. And did you know the Holy Spirit is the most active and yet least credited of the Trinity here on earth? Like it's the Holy Spirit of God that is on the earth doing the work of the Trinity and desiring to co-labor with you and I, and he's the most rejected. Since he fell, he came upon all mankind, for all mankind, to receive him in Acts. It has ticked Satan off. Why? Because in that moment, the church began to expand, it began to grow, it began to become edified, built up is what the word means. And this is exactly what Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to do, and Satan hates it. So if he can do anything to convince us to deny, reject, or put into boundaries or a box the Holy Spirit, he will have deceived us, and the reality is he's put us in the box, and the Holy Spirit is still roaming and doing, just without us. So good back there? Did y'all wear some steel-toed boots back there? <laughs> Acts 1, 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them to not, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. These were already... Believing followers, post-resurrection, by the way, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let me take this back to Luke when Jesus was saying, in response to the disciples saying, even the demons, even the demons. Let me do some math for you. Man, every time life looks like this, I go this way. I pop off. I lose it, I trigger, I get, I mess it up, I go back to this bondage, I go back to that bondage, I go back in here, and I don't know what the problem is. You will receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Jesus says. I give you authority and power to trample over the serpent and the scorpions. Do you know that Satan and his little dominions can't take power we he can only they can only receive it that authority is on is ours in Christ because of our identity this is why you have to get identity purpose and belonging settled that authority is ours from him it's all his but as long as we're in alignment and we're his we are heirs the power to move about in the authority that he gives he gives it to us, but the moment we believe a lie or we, tra- we trigger back into these old bondages and we let enemy, the enemy into one of these gates or, or walls that are still broken down, we hand power over to the enemy and we start to believe in lies because we're not foundational in that space of our lives and that's exactly why we're going through this together, to be foundational. And the moment I get foundational, the moment I understand the truth in God's Word, and the moment I want to do this or the temptation is to do this, but I know God's Word says this, I've got to decide whose team am I on. Oh, I'm preaching now, huh? Which will help us to see where, where gates... And walls are torn down, burned down in ruins where our soul is in ruins still. And the Holy Spirit wants to do a good work, an inner work, so that he can heal us, strengthen us, edify us, build us up, comfort us, lead us into all truth, guide us, strengthen, strengthen us, fortify us, and prepare us for the good work in which God has sent us out to discover and do. Recall, some of you men and women both, recall Nehemiah did his work at At night at a time when no one was looking. Sometimes we just wanna be noticed. But the example is, you might need to get away in the private sector and get with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do do a, a fortifying work in your life, do some setting free, some delivering, some healing, some strengthening. Get over here in the private, in the quiet place. Spend a little bit more time in worship and in prayer and the word and and allowing the Holy Spirit through his word, through the word of God, to read you and to point out things in you and you alone, not others. Not set up reasons to blame somebody else. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He wants to identify you and the stuff that's in you. And he wants to do a work in you. And then all of a sudden, when you start to walk out of that quiet place into the public, into the public sector, you don't have to prove a thing. You look different. You walk differently. You make decisions differently. Your attitudes and situations are different. Your responses are different. And everybody's like, what what had happened to them when no one was looking? The work was being done. Can I tell you, we sang the song last week, even when I don't feel you, Holy Spirit, you're working. Even when I don't see you, Holy Spirit, you're working. He's working, he's working, and he's collaborating with you, and he's identifying things, and he's saying, hey, would you just come into agreement with me? And out of agreement with that old nature. Can I pray for you? Let's just stand up for prayer. Because right now, Lord, we just pray for salvation, true born-again experiences to take place in this house. I just want to ask what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you identify cycles in our lives that keep perpetuating and causing trial and trauma in our families. Lord, help us to get away from the Garden of Eden and the shame and the blame and pointing at others. And Holy Spirit, just with your loving and your kindness your gentleness, please lead us into all truth. Holy Spirit, in those spaces, we ask that you heal us, that you identify spaces where we need to forgive, receive forgiveness. Holy Spirit, help us to truly Through water baptism, understand this old and new. Help us to let go of the old man. And in this new season of life, let us not come back into agreement with the old man, the old woman, the old nature, the old self, the old ways. And in every area where there's confusion and misunderstanding and a lack of understanding, because we just don't know what it will look like if we trust God in this scenario and do it your way. Holy Spirit, give us peace right there. And Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask for everyone who's so willing to receive the fullness of who you are and be empowered to live out this life to discover not only the general calling that you have on their life, but the specific calling. I pray that you will baptize everyone who is ready to receive you today, right now. And we just pray these these things in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, y'all. Let's worship God. He is so, so good.